Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans. This is Monday, October 12th, 2020, and happy to be with you this morning on episode 41 of season two for the Believe in Sports Law podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans, and this is Believe. This is via the Believe Podcast Network. Really happy to be with you and sort of in an um, interesting connection our topic today is going to be on sports betting television and sort of what the future might look like when it comes to sports betting, whether that might be on television or through device-based applications or whether that could be in streaming options, whatever it might be, right? And of course, it's it's a, a tie-in as well to um, really our show sponsor with Bet Online, And it's something that I think the history of this shows that betting and gambling was something that was normally reserved for, um, let's say, very specific parts of society in that uh, you had to go to Las Vegas or you had to go to Atlantic City or you had to go to, uh, let's say, a Native American reservation, right? You had to go to these certain places to access that and anything else was essentially illegal. You could not do online poker. You could not do online gaming uh, in the sense of betting, right? But of course, with the advent of uh, esports, with um, the United States Supreme Court decision in Murphy uh, versus um, NCAA and Murphy being the governor of New Jersey, and obviously the NCAA being the National Collegiate Athletic Association decision in 2018 that made the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, or PASPA, uh, a um, unconstitutional uh, thing. Uh, And the meat of that decision really came down to the Supreme Court, which was a 6-3 decision, and the majority opinion was uh, issued by Justice Alito. And there was a bunch of... um, other uh, sort of interesting, there were some dissenting opinions, concurring opinions in that, but ultimately it was a 6-3 majority opinion. But the essence of that decision said that the PASPA Act was unconstitutional, and it was unconstitutional because it forced the states to not pass a law. Uh, In some ways, the PASPA Act said that states could not enter into Um, and have uh, sports betting in their states. And this is something that uh, is commonly referred to in the constitutional realm as commandeering. Uh, You know, federal government cannot commandeer a state to do something. 
in this sense, it was a negative uh, action. It was the, the, the PASPA Act that said that a state could not do something. And of course, whether it's negative or positive, uh, in that sense, um, federal government, unless they have uh, justified means, and there's levels of that, uh, cannot commandeer a state to do something. So in that sense, the act was overturned. And since that point, we now have at least 18 states that have sports betting as uh, being legal. And with obviously the biggest domino left to fall being California. And uh, at this point, it's probably anyone's guess when that may or may not occur. But um, we shall see. Uh, I think ultimately the benefit of sports betting is similar to the argument of cannabis in that People will argue, um, there's obviously arguments on both sides, but people, proponents of cannabis, people who are proponents of sports betting will say that the tax dollars go to it and that it takes something that may be in the gray or black market and bring it into the light in the sense of bring it out of the shadows and bringing it into uh, sort of mainstream or at least regulating it, so to speak, right? The opposing arguments are that, you know, it's a moral issue, it's an ethical issue. Um, gambling is a problem from the standpoint of, uh, you know, debt and what people are using their money for. Um, so those are the two arguments, right? Uh, and there's obviously probably more in depth uh, that goes there, but that's not for this show. What we really want to talk about is the future of sports betting, uh, whether it be via television or whether it be on streaming or device-based applications. The point being that uh, there is change afoot, and uh, we want to look at guessing at some of that and looking at a guesstimation, so to speak, of what may happen and, and maybe more frankly, why it's happening. So, uh, this is something I've written an article about this as well. If you want to check it out on Sports Radio America, uh, also via my website, CSLlegal.com, and that's two L's. You can just type in California Sports Lawyer as well. Uh, but um, that's the, uh, there's a great article on that. So you can check that out with a lot of links uh, that go to some different um, uh, authors who have written about this subject as well. So let's give a little survey of the land, right? I personally think that the next big thing in sports is um, going to be sports betting. We have clearly seen this in the amount of deals that have been done between sports teams, sports leagues, players, and the individual betting companies. We've seen it also uh, with sports betting companies looking at merging and some of the buyouts that have occurred. Uh, and there's a reason for this. One is obviously the PASPA Act that was uh, deemed unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court. That was that opened the floodgates. But this is also something about what it means for consumers, right? Because if you have a situation where the last thing on live TV, uh, which is pretty much the case at this point, that consumers still consume live, it's it's sports, it's live sports. Um, and the reason for that is is that sports. Even though watching a game um, isn't isn't sense of entertainment and it can be a lot of fun, ultimately, if you're a sports person, you're probably also a statistics person, which means that you can watch a game 
and or you can not watch a game and catch the t- the sort of outcome later. And you can say how many home runs did they hit? What was the innings pitched? Um, what were the points per game? You know how many points did they have? How many assists did they win? Did your team win or lose? Was a record broken? All those things that occur, sports can pretty much be summed up, right, in a statistic in the sense of getting to the heart of something. Whereas with entertainment, um, you miss out on some of the drama, as you do with sports, but it's just less so. People are more willing at this point to watch um, reruns of a show, uh, to want to make sure that they, you know, they can, with streaming, of course, you can watch a show in an entire season, uh, with sports, not so much at this point. You're pretty much going to watch it live or or not watch it at all unless you're recording it or something, but it's still pretty rare. You're pretty much watching it live, and there's something special about that, and frankly, it's what keeps the viewership up. Now, how do you get people to engage more with the content? Well, first sort of advent was, okay, let's have fantasy sports. You know, you're watching fantasy sports, and you obviously care about the outcome. Well, if you add sports betting to that and you make it available via whether you're streaming a live sports event or whether it's on pay television, whatever that might be, if you can engage in the game more via the you know internal outcomes where you know whether he hits a shot at the end of the fourth quarter or whatever it might be, right, or whether it's um, the actual outcome of the game of what was the score, what's the plus minus, all that sort of stuff for, for those who bet out there. It's, it really comes down to uh, engagement, meaning how do you get consumers more engaged in content? And that's clearly done through sports betting. At least that's the thought process for uh, teams, leagues, uh, players, and companies who are in the sports betting field. So that's where we're at, right? So you had the U.S. Supreme Court sort of open the floodgates. But of course, this is something that has been uh, sort of pecking at um, politicians and pecking at companies in terms of trying to see where sports betting can go. And obviously with the, you know, with the sort of great use of sort of your mobile phone or your iPad or your Surface, whatever it might be, obviously sports betting is made a lot easier. And to kind of give a even further survey of the land and kind of break this down, you know, you have a company like Sports Radar, which is now the official data um, sort of sponsor for the four major American sports leagues, uh, being the NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, and National Hockey League. Points Bet is a company uh, that is a um, sports betting company, and uh, they've just signed a deal with a streaming platform called Genius Sports. And it's one of the first that I've known of where you have a sports betting company signing directly with a streamer. Uh, but that I can almost guarantee is not going to be the last time. Uh, I just see this as uh, the future of where sports betting is going. And they need a partner, right? Uh, as Jonathan Perelman says, if content is king, then distribution is queen and she wears the pants. And again, sort of a funny quote. But it's uh, something that does make a lot of sense. You know, you can have the content, but you have to have a distribution platform. The content being the game, the statistics, the betting, but you have to have a platform to reach people. You have to have distribution, right? Now, the other part of this is that paid television revenue is projected to drop by 50% from 2015 
through 2025. So it's going to go from $105 billion down to $56 billion. That means that television networks, professional sports leagues, they're going to need something else. They're going to need more engagement. Where do they get that from? Well, it started off with fantasy sports. You remember a lot of these teams were signing up with uh, you know, DFS companies, daily fantasy sports companies, and they got into a little bit of trouble pre-PASPA. And now that PASPA has passed, they're even combining daily fantasy sports with gambling and uh, really looking towards the next revenue bridge, which is sports betting, and seeing where that can take um, television numbers and subscribers and everything else. Because I think at the end of the day, if a television network also owns a streamer, it doesn't really matter where that revenue is coming from. Uh, and this is the case with companies like, let's say, AT&T, which has um, you know, different um, hands in different pots, right? You know, They can have their streamers uh, access through, let's say, HBO, uh, but they can also have their internet access through AT&T, um, and they can have other cable uh, sort of uh, access through some of the other companies and partners, right? But ultimately, these television networks see that revenue drop, and they're like, how can we make that up? And at least for the foreseeable future, it's probably going to be through uh, sports betting. So is there a right way to build these partnerships? Absolutely. And you know, the first thing is obviously – from the standpoint of you want to make sure that it's legal in the state where you're doing it, right? Uh, there has to be a law outlining what the structure is. What is the threshold? What are the rules and regulations? That has to happen. And this was actually quoted in the Supreme Court case, Murphy versus NCAA. That was decided in 2018 on a 6-3 uh, decision uh, in favor of basically outlawing PAS the PASPA Act. And so you have to have an underlying scheme. You have to have a law that says this is legal in the state and here's the structure, which makes sense. And then you, um, from that standpoint, you can build something up and you can have different partners. You can have whatever it might be. Now, the other side to this is that um, other than federal communication uh, uh, issues, uh, FCC issues, where you're talking about um, there is generally – limitations on how many alcohol sponsors you can have, you know, what you're sort of uh, pushing out there in terms of advertising. Um, there is limitations there, but uh, the limitations are less there uh, when compared to um, having an advertising partnership versus trying to set up an entire, you know, sports betting scheme in a state and then eventually in a city or some sort of county, right? In a place like uh, California, which has got, you know, 40, 50 million people in the state in potential for huge dollars when it comes to sports betting. One of the issues there, of course, is the Native American lands and some of the casinos they have on those lands. And uh, there's deals made in place where, um, you know, certain gambling companies cannot enter the state, um, you know, because of that prohibition and because of the relationship uh, with the state and the Native American casinos. So, it's 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 a at the very least a politically touchy subject, but um, at the most it's it's ripe for litigation. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I think ultimately, a lot of states, at least eighteen at this point, another four uh, have introduced legislation, have passed it, and are looking to implement that, but have not as of yet 
Uh, so at least, I guess that's what, 22 states plus the District of Columbia um, that are looking at sports betting becoming legal in those areas. So um, almost half of our, of our 50 states at this point are looking at implementing that. So uh, you have to have the regulation set up. You have to have the you know state legislature approve it and signed by the governor. Um, you know, and sort of seeing where that goes, right? That's going to be very interesting to follow. So as a model, though, I think we can look towards the state of Arizona, uh, in particular, their use of the 50-50 raffles. And this is also done in California, but in California, the 50-50 raffles are only for sports teams that have a professional sports venue. So for places like the Rose Bowl, where you have UCLA, or we have the Coliseum where USC plays, um, even though let's say in the specific specific example of the Rose Bowl, that is where UCLA plays its games, but it's not owned by UCLA, the university. And so, and it's not controlled by the UCLA athletic department. And so what you end up having, having in that situation is where in Arizona, you can have college teams, because the way the law was drafted, you can have college teams um, and professional sports teams engage in 50-50 raffles, which is essentially where you walk into a venue you purchase a little raffle ticket um, from folks who are walking around with the little printouts and all that stuff. You take the ticket, and then you have a chance to win 50% of the money from that's put into that pot by the other attendees to the um, to the game. And uh, you have the potential to win 50% of it, and the other 50% goes to a nonprofit group chosen by uh, the team or university. So that's the Arizona model. In California, it's just professional teams that can do that. And you may choose a charity from, uh, the team may choose a charity anyway from, you know, uh, whether it's building ballparks, uh, if it's, let's say for the Dodgers or whether it's, you know, um, something to do with health and wellness, right? Uh, it kind of runs the gamut in that way. Uh, it could also potentially go to the nonprofit of the actual team. And again, this revenue is non-taxable. That is a model that could potentially be followed and in Arizona, for example, you can actually do the 50-50 raffle from home. So it's an online thing. It's something you can do through a device-based uh, application. So that's something to think about as a model. Now, um, again, getting back to the engagement piece, this is where, you know, if you look at 50-50 raffles, that's a form of entertainment, right? Somebody's sitting there at the game, they go, oh, you know, I, I have my tickets here with my ticket numbers because I purchased a part of the 50-50 raffle and I want to see if I win. And there's potential for millions of dollars here if you've got, you know, let's say 100,000 fans at a game or you've got 50,000 fans at a game and everybody's giving, you know, um, 5 to $10 or even a dollar. You could potentially have a, a, a big, um, you know, a big take home there, right? I mean, because it could range from thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. There was a story, I think, with, uh, I think it was at the Calgary Flames game up in Canada and um, one of the guys there, at, uh, you know, as consumer went to the game and essentially took home, I think it was half of a million dollars or it was something like that, but it was a, it was a pretty big figure. And again, a non-taxable um, from the team side because the charity aspect, um, I believe it's taxable from the um, aspect of the uh, consumer, but uh, feel free to uh, fact check me on that one. But um, 
something to think about. I think it's a model to uh, maybe follow for some of these teams, but from the sports betting or sports, um, you know, uh, gambling side. So where does this go from here? Well, again, as I mentioned, about 18 states now allow for legalized gambling. There's another four that's in the works, plus the District of Columbia. And, you know, obviously you, from a policy standpoint, you have to consider um, the gambling effects of this and what that means to people's incomes and where they're spending their money and debt and obligations and everything else. Um, but also have to consider it from the tax dollar standpoint, from a team fan engagement standpoint, when you have subscribe paid television subscribers, you know, potentially dropping and are dropping and with revenue dropping by 50% projected by 2025, um, you know, teams, leagues, um, copyright holders, uh, advertisers, uh, social media, all the people that are involved with this, betting companies looking for ways to get consumers more engaged with content. So uh, it's something that where legalized sports betting can potentially help with gaining profits, uh, but from a policy standpoint, definitely something to uh, implement um, not something to be done lightly, right? This is something that, you know, you want your legislature to take a look at this and really see if it's a good fit and really look at ways to protect the consumer, um, you know, while potentially making revenue uh, for um, different businesses and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the marketplace. Uh, we will see where it goes from here, um, but uh, hope that you've enjoyed the show this week. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. This week we were talking about uh, sports betting and television and streaming and where that could all occur on device-based applications or wherever. Uh, I think the technology is there. I think at this point it's just a matter of whether your state, individual state, allows for sports betting and what that particularly looks like. And, of course, from a broadcast model standpoint, you would rather have all 50 states uh, be legal and following that versus having maybe half the states, right? Um, because ultimately, uh, from a compliance standpoint, it could get pretty difficult. Uh, and maybe even um, second to that is from a revenue standpoint, it's important uh, to have more than less. So we shall see how this plays out. But I hope that you've enjoyed this show and we'll look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.